Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Emmy. How are you feeling on this Monday morning? Honestly, very excited about this episode. I can't believe we get a J-Lo and Ben Affleck reunion, even if platonic, coupled with a Billie Eilish Vogue cover. I have so much to say on both of those things that I feel like I'm about to burst. I know. They're not that many subjects, but both are actually all are things that we just have a lot of opinions on, I feel. Quality over quantity. I want you to know that I watched the Jenny from the Block music video right before we started recording this, just because I really wanted to get the visual of them together and the video that sparked so many headlines back in the day. And it is such a more enjoyable watch now than it ever was at the time that it came out for me personally. Did you wish you were eight again? (laughs) No, honestly, I'm so happy that I'm 26 watching it. (laughs) I feel that. I lost all of my attraction for Ben Affleck in recent years, but you go back and watch this video and you'll get it back momentarily, but very intensely. By the way, no, you did it. <laughs> you don't think I did? You have sent me multiple Ben Affleck things being like, I don't know, I think he's still hot. Well, it's like, I, I think I'm a little bit ashamed is the wrong word, but I think I try to keep it quiet. Yeah, but you definitely didn't lose all of it. (laughs) No, but it came back in full force. It went away, but it came back full force after watching. I highly recommend just to really get your guys' self in that era and really get the nostalgia flowing. Just watch that video. Pause this, go watch it, and then come back. I think you'll appreciate the conversation a lot more, don't you? I think that's an excellent idea. (laughs) So as you guys know, every week we're highlighting a Black-owned business. And this week it's called Savoy Objects. So they basically have luxury, vintage, home decor items. And the way that it works is on the first of every month, they release nine new objects along with a playlist. So as always, we'll put all the information for that in the description. Anything else you would like to mention, Jewel, or shall we? I think we shall. Let us start out with the J-Lo and Ben Affleck news that kind of rocked the internet. And 
I want to preface this by saying this could be no news at all, but we're going to treat it as such because I think it just makes it more fun to talk about, don't you think? Yeah, I do think. Well, I actually have so much to say about this besides being news that to me is really interesting, but let's get into it and then we'll discuss. Well, I say that just because we had posted that tweet from the page six article that Busy Phillips retweeted and wrote like, please God, let it be real. And I saw someone comment in the post and it was like, you know, can't anybody just understand the concept of people being friends? And it's like, yes, of course we can. But also JLo and Ben Affleck were engaged and she just broke up with A-Rod and he's single now. And this just gives us something to talk about. And if there's going to be a paparazzi photo of them together, do you think people aren't going to want to dissect every single aspect? Oh my God, of course. For me, it's not even about them possibly dating or rekindling. It is so much more about just the PR strategy behind that one photo. It's beyond. Okay, you're right. Let's get into it. So basically, according to Page Six, they've been spending some time together in LA after her split from A-Rod. And he's been spotted multiple times going apparently to her house during the day. And that photo that we saw, the one that went viral, was him in the white Escalade SUV that apparently belongs to her and then being taken to her home. And so There's a lot of different reports, but according to page six, security basically picks him up at a nearby location, drops him off after spending a few hours at her house. I'm already like just losing it over this whole thing, aren't you? And dying, obviously. Just a really brief timeline for anybody that needs a refresher, because when you go back and look at this, you kind of remember how quickly this all happened because they were first linked ever in 2002 when they were filming a movie together. And June of 2002 is when she filed for divorce from her second husband, Chris Judd. A few months later, in November of that same year, her and Ben got engaged. That was when he proposed with the six-carat Harry Winston ring. That same month, right after they got engaged, is when the Jenny from the Block music video was released. And if you can remember, the hype around that at the time was something I can't even really put into words. I know I was only eight, but I very vividly remember that. And then a year later, September 2003, They postponed their wedding a day prior to the ceremony, and according to them, it was because of the media's interference with not only their relationship, but also with the event. And then in January of the next year, they split. So I say that timeline, one, just to refresh everyone's memory, but also really to remind us all how much they at least cited the media's involvement. Like, Don't you remember that so vividly? Well, the media involvement was was next level with them. They kind of were the couple that really started that. And then I think what happened from there was the next media circus was Brad and Angie. Like they kind of set that scene for them, but the media circus surrounding Ben and Jen, Ben and JLo, Benifer at the time was next level. I mean, that thing about using celebrity couples names started with Benifer and I think because it was so long ago and we forget about it and there have been so many crazy celebrity couples since then, we kind of forget about the fact that they were the original media obsessed couple. The reason that they postponed their wedding or so they cited it was because when they were discussing the details of how they were going to do it, they were talking about having three decoy brides, three decoy locations, all of these things. And they were like, this is just not logical. Like this is an impossible task. The media was absolutely obsessed with them. Yes. And the other reason that I think, not that people forget, because I don't think anybody forgets, but I think the other reason that this isn't necessarily in the forefront of our minds is because they both went on to marry very, very famous people. Like 
They split in January 2004, and in June of 2004, she was married to Mark Anthony. He then gets together with Jen Gardner. Like, you know, there was such a media focus on those relationships. And then, of course, him and Anna, her and A-Rod, so many other people after that, that, you know, you have to take a second to really bring yourself back to what this was at the height of their relationship. Right. And that's why I think the PR and media element of this rekindling, quote unquote, or hanging out now is so much more interesting than if they were in a relationship or if this was the start of something, because that's the roots that they're going back to. The roots that they're going back to isn't them dating. It's them creating a media circus. And JLo, if there is one thing that girl does well, it is create a media circus. It is what she knows how to do. It is quite literally in her blood, I think, because I don't think there's anybody who does it like that. And that was the whole conversation surrounding them hanging out right now is like, J-Lo plays us, the media, the paparazzi, like we're like a fucking fiddle. Like she knows exactly what she's doing and she is so good at it and has been so good at it for so long. I know. And you know something? I welcome being played like a fiddle. All I want is for J-Lo's PR machine to play me like a fiddle because I can't even express the amount of enjoyment and escapism I get from watching these type of stunts. Me too. It's next level, especially when it brings you back to something like a 2002 J-Lo and Ben, because that is something that, A, a lot of people who are discussing it now have only experienced through hearing about it or reading about it. Now they're experiencing it for the first time. Or you were right in the middle of it. You were obsessed with it and in the middle of all of that media attention, watching their every move. And now it's bringing you back to that moment as well. So it's just an interesting dynamic when you look at it from that angle. I personally don't believe that they're dating. I believe that this is a very strategic PR move to create a lot of like hype around her because for her, for JLo, she has this movie coming out, Shotgun Wedding, that we all know about. The, the hype surrounding her at this time is like, okay, her and A-Rod just broke up. One of the biggest couples we've seen in years just ended things. Now she's hanging out with Ben Affleck again. And then on top of that, everyone's like, oh, maybe JLo and Lenny Kravitz will get together from this movie. Like there are so many layers here that she just created for us. I know I was about to say that about Lenny, not because I think that that would happen, but when he posted the photo of them, you know, from shooting the wedding, there were so many comments about that. And I think that's more of just like a fantasy in people's minds. I know they've been friends forever, but I agree with you. I, who knows what would or would not happen with this. My mind isn't even going there right now. It's just so unbelievably intentional because I think, aside from the fact that she knows how to be in the news, she knows how to be in the news for what she wants to be. And so as much as she can separate herself from the A-Rod cheating narrative, she's going to do that. There is quite literally nothing that does that more effectively than a staged photo shot with Ben Affleck. Absolutely. Every single move she makes just goes into her superpower as a celebrity and as an entity and as an icon in of itself. Like, she is just so omnipresent in every single thing we do. Everywhere you look, it's like J-Lo, 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 J-Lo. And not in an oversaturated, okay, it's annoying, we have enough way. It's in a way where it's like you just can't escape her. Yeah, and it's not, you know, there's a reason that she's been around this long aside from her talent, but it, there's just a way that she has been able to maneuver the press and maneuver the public. And I actually wanted to just say that from last week or two weeks ago whenever we discussed it because when we were talking about her and A-Rod's breakup, you made a comment saying like, I had no idea that so many people were rooting for her and Ben Affleck. And I literally couldn't process what you were saying. Like we have a group chat with our friend Brian and he texted us after and was like, 
Emma, like <laughs> you made Julie sound like she was crazy. And I was like, I just couldn't process what she was saying. I didn't even realize that that was a thing. So for you to even bring that to my slash our attention and then for it to actually come to fruition, not in any sort of a romantic way, just in them hanging out was kind of crazy. That was so funny to me because we were having two separate conversations. And what was happening was like, I was saying to you, oh, I've been seeing a lot of discourse on Twitter about people talking about JLo and Ben Affleck and how they want them to get back together. And you're like, they're never going to get back together. And I was like, not what I'm saying. I, I don't know if they'll get back together, but it's not what I mean. I'm just saying I didn't realize how many people would have wanted that to happen. You're like, I just can't see it. I'm like, not what I'm saying here. And then we were going back more that eventually I was just like, forget about it. And then Brian texted us was like, justice for Julie. Like J- JLo and Ben Affleck are hanging out right now to get justice for Julie for not being able to get her point across correctly. It was 100% my fault, not yours because it was, but that's my point that this was so not something in the forefront of my mind. Like I said, I'm definitely jaded from that story that I was told when I was a kid by the limo driver in Las Vegas that said it was like a brutal experience seeing them interact together. But I just, I can't even comprehend that. And I know I know that her team is saying they've remained friends and they've been friends. I guess I just had no knowledge of that if that is even the case. So it just threw me off. But you're right. I feel very vindicated on your behalf. Thank you. I didn't expect to see them hanging out. It wasn't a, like, I still think that that kind of came out of nowhere to see them together. But I just think when you think about JLo herself, of course the move was to have Ben Affleck exiting your way Escalade. Of course it was. I almost feel a little bit embarrassed that we didn't call that happening in this particular way because it really is the most beautiful and effective distraction. It's perfect. She just does it so well. And the conversation that we have really often is like the new age of PR, like the new age of using social media and, and how PR has changed so much over the years from just like the typical paparazzi shots and the typical celeb news stories. I think JLo has just been so consistent with the way she's done things since the very beginning, and it has just worked for her. She has stayed so present in our lives, and she is somebody that easily could have not gone away, not that we would have ever forgotten about her, but just taken a backseat and not been so unbelievably present. She's just been in the game for so long, and I think it's unusual that when you've been doing it for so long that you would still be as completely 100% present all these years later. And she has just managed to do that in such an unbelievable way that if you are a celebrity and you're looking for a way to maintain relevancy, I don't know if you can follow JLo's blueprint because it seems like something specific to her, but you could at least give it a shot because it is working for her. The public is just highly reactive to any moves that she makes, and she's very aware of that. I just do wonder... From Ben Affleck's perspective, you know, what type of thought process, if any, went into this? You know, we definitely know on her end, it is very much a calculated PR decision. What is it on his end? You know, what's going on there? Because, listen, he was not thrilled about the Dunkin' Donuts addicted, always walking paparazzi, can't leave him alone image that he got, not only during his relationship with Anna, but post Anna. You saw that he was very frustrated by all of that. So, I'm sure that this has benefit to him as well. And I think also when we talk about these things as strategic PR decisions, the way it kind of comes off is as if we're saying like, okay, JLo's person called Ben Affleck's person and they arranged this meetup and they both were aware of the fact that 
they were going to meet at a certain time and it was all very strategic. I don't believe that every PR decision that somebody makes has to be a strategic PR decision in that sense. I think JLo could have called the bed and said, let's hang out. Let's see each other. Let's catch up. I really enjoy hanging out. We've seen each other over the years. But the fact that that happened at this time in this way with this paparazzi shot, that's the part of it that's strategic. Their friendship and their connection and their relationship may still exist as a very pure form without it being just for show. It's just the show comes with it. Yes, exactly. The show comes with it. And there's no naivety to it is basically the the whole concept here. Right. This is nothing but positive PR for both of them. Even the worst thing that you can say about this situation is that it's a PR stunt. And of all the things that we've seen in Hollywood, a PR stunt is pretty harmless considering. I guess it's really just a interaction that I did not expect to be witness to. And I'm really glad that we were because this was a moment, this particularly was a moment of internet camaraderie specifically with you know, us and like the generation older. It's not something that I think a lot of teenagers would understand the magnitude of, but it was just fun to be alive for. (laughs) Yeah, it is fun. It's always fun to have, it's always really fun to have these discussions about celebrities like this, but it's also really fun hearing it from the older perspective. Cause like, obviously like we remember it to an extent, but we were really young when that happened. And I don't think either of us understood the way Hollywood really worked at the time. We can remember people being obsessed with them, but we don't really remember the intricacies of it. So to hear it from perspectives of people who were like really in it and really examining it at that time is very interesting to me. Yeah. And the other thing that it really makes me think about is what is another example of a couple like this, a former couple like this, that would elicit this type of reaction? And I'm not talking like a Jen and Brad, obviously, but something that has this similar sentiment. And I haven't thought of anything before we started recording, so I don't have anything off the top of my head. But, you know, this is just one of many, this is, you know, maybe in the top in terms of the type of reaction we'll elicit from the public, but there are others that would do the same. And I'm always very curious about that. I think a really good comparison to that is anytime Gwyneth Paltrow speaks about Brad Pitt, because there's really nothing there anymore. They've both moved on. They've both maintained really positive things to say about each other, but it still creates this media frenzy anytime one of them speaks about the other. You know, this is very different and it's not a similar comparison, but think about any time Diddy has spoken about J-Lo. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, but that's the thing with J-Lo. Any single person that J-Lo had an iconic relationship with, once that is brought up again, it's going to create a headline because people are just so obsessed with her and her dating life in general. Yeah. And listen, she has had an extensive dating life and that's not said in any sort of like a slut shaming way. It's just a fact. She has had a lot of very public relationships with a totally really broad spectrum of people. And so I very much understand the interest level. Absolutely. Also, the thing with JLo that was always really captivating about her relationships isn't just the people that she's dated or the amount of people she's dated. I think what's really interesting about it is how quickly she's moved on. All of her relationships are so back to back to back to back. There's no resting period. Well, you know, and by the way, that's another thing in terms of the Ben Affleck thing. Not only did she marry Mark Anthony in 2004, right after they broke up, he also started dating Jen Gardner in 2004, right after they broke up. 
Right. And it the was- Jen Garner thing to me, I think that's also one of the reasons that Ben Affleck and JLo kind of take a backseat in terms of conversations is because to me, the Ben Affleck-Jennifer Garner relationship was like the relationship. When they broke up, when they announced their split, like that rocked Hollywood. That rocked everyone. Yeah. And it was so different because one, they were actually married, whereas JLo and Ben were just engaged and the kids' involvement was such a topic of conversation because you know, the thing with, I think at the time, the thing with JLo and Ben that was so different was there wasn't such a public imbalance in terms of who the public felt was more at fault. You know, so much of it fell on the media. Whereas with Jen Gardner and Ben Affleck, Jen Gardner is America's sweetheart, different type of fame than J- than JLo. And so there was such a public siding with her. Exactly. And that's also a good point in general, not even just about sides, but about JLo and Ben Affleck's relationship was so much about the media and the media frenzy about it. Whereas Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck, they were seen as America's sweetheart couple. They were the couple that kind of were a little bit more private, but adored each other in public, spoke about each other often, were seen as such an A-list couple of just a wholesome little family. So when they split up, it, it shook us because it was the last thing we saw couple coming. It was one of those couples where you just did not expect it at all. You thought they were in it for the long run. Oh, you really thought that they were in it for the long run. In retrospect, you recognize that that was clearly not the case, but that was heartbreaking. Yeah. And they also tried to really make it work for a while after, and then they just couldn't. I mean, he obviously had his struggles. I'm sure he's still dealing with a lot of things to this day. Hopefully he's in a much better place. But Jennifer Garner also, to this day, has been so unbelievably supportive of him, and they have such a great relationship in raising their kids together. Yeah, and they were married for 13 years. I mean, it's a totally different a totally different situation. J-Lo and Ben was two years start to finish, not even including a marriage. Right. And there's just so many, not even that were married, but when I think about it, like Sarah Jessica Parker and Robert Downey Jr., a lot of couples throughout the years that you just definitely forget about. But when they're brought up, you're like, holy shit. And a lot where you're like, I cannot even believe that happened. Like, for example, Jennifer Garner was married before Ben Affleck. She was married to Scott Foley. I know. And completely and forgotten about thing. Nobody talks about that. But also nobody talks about Chris Judd with JLo. He gets brought up in terms of the amount of relationships and marriages, engagements that she's had. He's just kind of a pawn in that conversation. Yeah, he's a pawn. He, it's less about him. It's more about him as like a figure. Right. In terms of what he represents. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I just, I love it. I mean, who knows? I, I'm definitely not, let's, let me be very clear. I'm definitely not rooting for any sort of a rekindling, but I do love watching them hang out just because I find it a complete media circus that I want to be right in the center of. Me too. Anything else you'd like to mention on that? I think that's it for today. Okay. Let's move on to Billy. Oh, yes. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. 
And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. I feel like we have kind of been talking about or speculating this new era of Billie Eilish that we knew was coming, didn't know exactly when. We saw a little bit of it at the Grammys with a little bit of a change in look. And on March 17th is when she posted her blonde hair that broke Instagram records everywhere. But this British Vogue cover was, honestly, it took my breath away. Oh, absolutely. Well, the thing with Billy is that she has like fans that are so on top of things. And so when things started to change and they thought she was dyeing her hair or there was rumors going around, like you had fans that were catching every single glimpse and every single sign of that and then posting on Twitter and TikTok. So we were kind of absorbing that information from her like hardcore stands and kind of seeing that a little bit for ourselves. But she is somebody that when she brings on a new era like this, there's so much anticipation behind it. So much anticipation behind it. And, you know, we'll get into this obviously, but I think something that really resonated with me or something that I really noticed was the collective kind of excitement and enthusiasm, not just from her fans, but also from fellow celebrities, even celebrities that I didn't know she was friends with or even had any sort of a public relationship with. Like there was a real collective celebration of her being able to express herself in the way that she wants that I think people were excited to take part in. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think everybody kind of roots for her. She's one of those celebrities that came up so young and has created such a wave in Hollywood. And I don't think there's anybody out there that wants anything. I mean, of course there are people, but I mean, in terms of Hollywood, in terms of protecting Billy, I think everyone's kind of on the same page with that. So people are really excited to celebrate her as well. That's a really nice feeling. You know, it's it's kind of rare, at least in today's day and age, when the internet is pretty much all on the same page when it comes to a sort of reveal like this. And I guess it was just nice and refreshing to see that. A different type of camaraderie than J-Lo and Ben Affleck, but in a lot of ways, just far more profound. Oh, absolutely. So before we get into the interview, just the shoot itself, it was photographed by Craig McDean and it was kind of... The goal was to emulate like the classic old-timey pinup look. And Edward Enninful, who's the editor-in-chief of British Vogue, and I mean, he's just a visionary and really an icon. He actually was featured on Time in 2020 and named the most important Black man in the global fashion landscape. He's the only Black editor in history to lead any of Vogue's 26 magazines. And I mean, this is the same guy that had the vision behind Beyonce's cover. And I felt that before we even get into the interview, there was so much power in the stylistic choices of the photos, the photography, yes, and also just the creative direction. And it's really true when people say that British Vogue is a completely, in my opinion, and I think that this is one that is echoed by a lot of other people, British Vogue is really doing it in a way that US Vogue is not. 
Yeah, that is a huge topic of conversation about U.S. Vogue really needing to take pointers or look at how British Vogue is doing it and, and apply it to themselves because it is clear that they are just doing it so right. So the interview was by Laura Snapes and the feature was titled, quote, it's all about what makes you feel good. Billie Eilish on new music, power dynamics, and her internet breaking transformation. Subtext, voice of a generation, avatar of internet megafame, icon of body positivity. A lot rests on Billie Eilish's 19-year-old shoulders. The pop superstar speaks up about her latest transformation, new music, and living life on her own terms. The way that we did it was we basically went through and just bolded some paragraphs and some parts that we felt were the best. So we'll just kind of discuss it as we go. Um, But it was a great read. Didn't you find that? Oh, 100%. I was interested by every single word of this article. I really feel like if I read this, having not watched the documentary, I would have gotten a lot less out of it because I find that as I was reading some of the quotes, I was almost envisioning the way that she said it, which I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't feel like I got such a raw understanding of the way that she communicates in that documentary. Oh, absolutely. And that also goes into the whole thing of why her fans feel so protective over her. And so I I don't want to use the word obsessed, but they're so feel like they know her so personally and it all plays into it. She has that ability to really make you connect with her on a level that makes it feel like she is somebody who's your friend and somebody that you're constantly rooting for rather than a mega celebrity. Yeah. I mean, the first paragraph speaks directly to that in terms of their real intense, I don't know if you want to call it obsession or just analytical view. It starts out by saying, the fans knew it was a wig. The parting was off. Some amateur had misaligned the green and black gradient. She stopped flipping her hair and started wearing a suspicious number of hats. Underneath it was red, they swore. One girl posted an 18-part TikTok investigation into the matter. Meanwhile, Billie Eilish sweated, literally and figuratively, ruining the day she committed to spending months cosplaying as herself to hide the look of her second album era. Before her custom hairpiece arrived, a last-minute video appearance forced her to buy a Billie Eilish Halloween costume from Amazon. It's really pretty unbelievable how it's not just that fans were speculating that her hair was different or that something was going on. It was they knew what that signaled. I think there's no greater payoff than the girl who made an 18-part TikTok series examining her hair only to be mentioned in the first paragraph of Billy's Vogue article. Like, that is your hard work fucking paid off. Right? (laughs) Talk about the TikTok creator fund. They owe her some real money. Another paragraph we liked. Her successes still feel personal to her fans. They don't have a name. Eilish's stardom reflects the contrary teenage aspiration to be validated for your differences. She created an instantly identifiable silhouette and capacious rap-influenced couture that made a mystery of her body. Her interest reflected the wide splatter of the teenage girl heart. Horror films, Justin Bieber, sports cars, Peggy Lee, gross-out humor, racial justice. Unlike previous generations of teen pop stars deprived of control over their identity, she fantasizes nothing, singing of dying friends, suicidal ideation, and the climate crisis. Quote, I don't think there's ever been such a young pop artist to write songs that are so personal, Elton John tells me. Billie Eilish's song come from within her. I love that. Yeah, and it's so true. That's why she's connected so well is because it's just a different era of music and a different ability to reach your fans and these are all things that if she had come up on the scene five ten years ago she probably wouldn't have been allowed to talk about and that is the entire theme of her music and her brand and who she is and it is clearly 
people just connect with it so well. And I think it makes every other celebrity kind of re-examine the things that they want to delve into or then have the ability to delve into. Yes. I think that that's very accurate. And in this next paragraph, they kind of spoke about exactly what I was saying before about how like they knew that a new hairstyle would signal a new album. And when they're talking about her getting ready for the shoot, the author writes, when we first speak, the shoot is imminent. Although it was entirely her idea, Eilish is apprehensive. Quote, I've literally never done anything in this realm at all. She says, dropping her jaw in exaggerated horror, chewing gum rolling past her tongue, then a smirk, you know, besides when I'm alone and shit. It's a really kind of, I would imagine, anxiety-provoking thing, even if you're so excited to unleash this new music and this new look of, you know, she's somebody that her identity had been, fortunately or unfortunately, so tied to what she was putting out there physically. Yeah, I mean, that's always been the topic of conversation around her is because of her decision to wear such baggy clothes, it created this unhealthy obsession with her body through no fault of her own. She made it very clear why she was choosing to wear very baggy clothes. She did not want to be sexualized. She did not want to be seen for her body. She wanted to be seen as an artist first and foremost. And wearing baggy clothes really allowed her to do that. And I think what's interesting about the decision to bring on this new era and do the shoot the way she did is it's such a narrative of taking her own power back or or saying like, I'm doing every single thing on my own terms. If I want to wear baggy clothes, I will wear baggy clothes. If I want to wear tight clothes and show off my body, then that is 100% my decision to do so. And I will do so on my own terms. And I think that is what is so powerful about the decisions that she makes from era to era, because I think for so many artists, it's just like, okay, I'm going to do this change because I want to promote my music and I want to promote this new look of mine. For her, it is so all-encompassing to every single thing she represents. Oh, it's, yeah, it's so much deeper than that. And that's what this entire really article and this entire new music is about. I want to read these two paragraphs because there's something she says in here that spoke to me deeply, but okay. A teenage pop star bearing all to telegraph her maturity is nothing new, but Billie Eilish has a point to make. Her new look, plus a comeback single that confronts abusers who exploit underage girls, puts the onus on the viewer to consider their baggage. Quote, don't make me not a role model because you're turned on by me, she says. Her body, quote, was the initial reason for my depression when I was younger. A situation worsened when she quit dancing at 13 due to injury. Hence the baggy clothes. Then fans made that image into a flashpoint. Quote, Billy represents something completely new, says Gucci director Alessandra Michelle, who has regularly collaborated with Eilish. Quote, She's a continuously evolving artist with a new vision and interpretation of herself in terms of femininity. Billy is exactly where she means to be without prejudice. That's why working with her is so stimulating. She forces me to think differently. More simplistic interpretations of Eilish's aesthetic saw her hailed as an icon of body positivity and a good example compared with female pop stars who wore less. She never claimed to stand for any of it. In October, a paparazzi picture of her in a form-fitting vest sparked a media cycle rife with negativity and misjudged sympathy. Quote, It made me really offended when people were like, good for her, feeling comfortable in her bigger skin, she says, curling her lips in mockery. Jesus Christ, good for me? Fuck off. She splutters with frustration. The more the internet and the world care about somebody that's doing something they're not used to, they put it on such a high pedestal that then it's even worse. That is literally the conversation we were having when those photos came out about how, you know, we were both appalled as to the reaction of like this public compassion or sympathy or you know, hailing her for being so brave. Like, what does that say? Yeah, that was, I mean, 
that was a really very crazy time. And I understand that there is an element of it that people will say where it's like, I think a lot of that reaction came from the fact of what we're used to seeing her wearing versus the fact that she stepped out choosing not to wear the typical baggy clothes. And I understand that element of it. But the conversation that surrounded her for being brave about her body, not for about the clothing choice that she made, was what was really, really like present during that time. And it was just, I think that was like confusing for everybody because you had this moment where you know, you you become almost like desensitized in a way to people commenting on other people's bodies. And I think we've obviously gotten so much better about it as time has gone on. But there is still an element of us, I think, that is just desensitized to that fact. But when you see something like that, where it's Billy just like existing in her own body, and then she's brave for that, it, it just took a very different spin than I think we're used to seeing. And that for me personally, like really opened my eyes to a conversation that I don't think a lot of us have had. I remember Amy Schumer had spoken about that in one of her standups where she's like, she was like, the worst thing in the entire world is people telling you that you're brave for your body. Like people don't understand what a backhanded compliment that was. And I think that is why it really came to light with this because you're so used to people's comments on people's bodies being either like, okay, they did that bad. It is bad to comment on someone else's body. It was a negative comment. You're not used to people who are somewhat well-intentioned having such a negative effect. And that's what you really saw here. Yes. But that's why I honestly, I know we had discussed this before we started recording how, you know, the subtext of this article that says body positivity icon. And we said that she probably did approve that. The reason that that was a little bit like confusing to me is because I always envisioned her as somebody that was more of a fan of the body neutrality idea. You know, like the the, the issue with, and not an issue, there's nothing wrong with the body positivity movement. It's great. But the thing about it is that in a certain way, it does center the body. Whereas the idea of body neutrality kind of, you know, makes the focus not on your body in general. And I just felt like it was so upsetting, you know, on a personal level, aside from how I felt for her, just like, we always talk about this, the way that celebrities are treated on a certain level, you take on some of that as the public because you realize that this is how people view people that may be, quote, like you, and how it was really upsetting because it removed her ability to just simply exist. That's all most people want to do in this world. They want to be able to exist in what they're comfortable in and not have it be such a spectacle. And so there was a real deep sense of power with this entire shoot and this entire interview because one, she was speaking on that whole experience in a way she never has before. And then second of all, she was showcasing her body on her terms. Absolutely. I also think something that's really interesting that Billy brings up in terms of the body conversation is when she talks about like the physical things that her body has been through in terms of injuries. And she brought that up a lot in her documentary. She was talking about her shin splints and her body just can't function the way it used to when she was a dancer. And I think that is also a piece of the body conversation that we forget about because it's so focused on weight. And I think Billy bringing that up and adding that to the conversation added a whole other element to it as well. Well, that's because like, I mean, there's so much that goes into that, but yeah, the entire conversation, it goes into just like ableism, which is, it isn't talked about enough, but you're right that I think because we have this fucking society that is so hyper-focused on weight and so unbelievably fat-phobic that people often really do forget that our bodies are functioning things that are responsible for like our very ability to live and how much credit we need to just like give our bodies for allowing us to function every day. And when she spoke about that, I mean, this year off or however long it was because 
COVID hit, I think, after two of her shows. You know, she thought she would maybe even get a few more weeks in and she didn't. And so not jumping around on stage and having this over a year to kind of rest her body has done wonders for her. And you don't typically hear specifically people in the public eye as famous as she is talk about the, you know, pain and what their body is experiencing on a level that is not vanity. Right, exactly. It's that whole idea of like almost my body is failing me. Yeah. Like I, I need it to function in a certain way and it's not and it's completely out of my control. And I think that that is a piece of the conversation that a lot of people forget about just in terms of injury and pain. And and yeah, Billy really brought that conversation to light. And I think it's an element of it that we don't often think about. Yeah, no, it's so true. I want to just read uh, the two other paragraphs that we had highlighted here and then we can get back to it. But so the author writes, she often thinks about a line in her 2019 single, quote, when I was older, quote, I'm still a victim in my own right, but I'm the villain in my own eyes. I wanted to say that it doesn't matter who you are, what your life is, your situation, who you surround yourself with, how strong you are, how smart you are. You can always be taken advantage of. That's a big problem in the world of domestic abuse or statutory rape. Girls that were very confident and strong-willed finding themselves in situations where they're like, oh my God, I'm the victim here. And it's so embarrassing and humiliating and demoralizing to be in that position of thinking you know so much and then you realize I'm being abused right now. It happened to Eilish when she was younger. The details are hers. I'm later told it wasn't a music industry figure. To fixate on it as exceptional would undermine her point about the systemic nature of abuse. Scrutiny has left her fluent in anticipating criticism. She predicts the objections to the combination of this song and Vogue's shoot. Quote, you're going to complain about being taken advantage of as a minor, but then you're going to show your boobs? She tilts her head and widens her eyes in a slow charade of contemplation. Then she swivels back, points straight at me and laughs. Yes, I am, motherfucker. I'm going to because there's no excuse. I loved that line. That was such an important thing for her to say. And I know, you know, it can be viewed as like a simple concept, especially because that's a message that I think specifically we as women have been trying to put forward for so long. They're like, there is no excuse in our own expression of our sexuality or femininity or whatever it is, is not at all any sort of an excuse for any decision that a man chooses to make. Like there's so much there, but I just loved that she said it as powerfully in her own way. Yeah, she is so just wise beyond her years as well. When you consider the fact that she is 19 years old and the power she holds and the ability she has to just not just speak so freely, but speak so freely in such an impactful way that is so well thought out and just so intelligent and just beyond, it is, it really, she just blows me away every time. Yeah. I, I really feel the same way. I loved reading this. I loved seeing the photos come out. I loved watching the celebration. I loved reading this article. I mean, there's so much here to analyze. I would read the whole thing, but I don't want to like bore people for that people have, that have read it. But seriously, take the few minutes and read it because it's a great interview. And it just, I think, just sheds a light on her in a way that is so her own narrative. And that's all you could ever want from a celebrity, specifically one at an age where it's so common for the industry to speak for them. Absolutely, yes. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. 
So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. Also, just one clarification that I wanted to make from last week's episode. When we were talking about the Oscars and Yu Jung Yoon winning for Best Supporting Actress in Nari, and we were saying how her speech was so funny and she really just brought such a light to the stage, we also were talking about how Brad Pitt presented her with the award. And when she got on stage, she made a comment to him saying, like, very nice to finally meet you, which to our interpretation at the time was almost kind of her fangirling over him. And that was what the media was reporting. But after the episode came out, we realized that that was not the case at all. And when she said to him, you know, so nice to finally meet you. Where were you when we were filming in Tulsa? She was saying that because he was an executive producer of the movie and he wasn't really there. He didn't really show up. And she had said later on to NBC, quote, I told him to provide more money to the movie. I also told him to come to Korea. He promised that he will, but I don't really believe the words of Americans. Their vocabulary is so fancy. He said my performance was very respectable and whatnot, but I'm old. I don't fall for those words. So I think what happened was the American media just totally got that wrong, ourselves included. Like I had no concept that that was really what she was saying when she was kind of almost like making a very playful dig at him. But I just wanted to make that clarification in case anybody else misinterpreted that because I think it's a really important distinction, don't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I for one, did not realize until after the fact, for sure. I didn't know that he was an executive producer of the movie. I felt really stupid after. I just wanted to say we totally got that wrong and that was not what she meant and just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. Anything else you would like to mention before Kardashians? I would love to quickly touch on the Met Gala news that came out today. Yes. Okay. So announced this morning that the Met Gala co-chairs will be Timothy Chalamet, Billie Eilish, Amanda Gorman, and Naomi Osaka. Honorary chairs, Tom Ford, Adam Osari, and of course, Anna Wintour. And it's going to take place, hopefully, if it can happen on September 13th. What a great group of people to be the co-chairs and an amazing like representation of this new age of Hollywood. Yeah. My mind just went to Amanda Gorman because to me, if I was listing out people that I would categorize as like quote of the moment, she is so one of them. Oh, absolutely. All of them have such a strong representation in every field they're in, but also in fashion specifically. So it's just, I'm really excited about that. Me too. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Not a crazy amount in Kardashians, but I first just want to touch on the trailer that dropped this morning where... We only saw a little bit, I mean, a little bit of the Scott conversation. 
some struggles or so it seems with Chloe and Tristan's surrogacy journey. And then, you know, it seemed like Kim getting emotional over Kanye. Yeah, it was a heavy trailer. It was. I don't know how they're going to space it out, but I'm very curious to see. And honestly, you know, of course the Scott stuff is interesting, but one to me on the hierarchy of events, it will always be the Kim and Kanye thing because I just feel like we have the least amount of insight to that. And then to see this conversation about surrogacy when it comes to Tristan and Chloe, then simultaneously with the Tristan cheating rumors happening in the news, it's kind of a really, you know, unpleasant juxtaposition. Oh, absolutely. I am so excited to see how the rest of the season plays out though. Yeah. I mean, on the Kardashian episode last week, when we kind of did a bonus episode, I guess, in replacement of there being an actual keeping up, we spoke a little bit about the cheating rumors, but still there's not that much more that has come out except for that Sydney Chase, who was the woman that made the allegation, posted screenshots of apparently Chloe messaging her on Instagram saying, I would appreciate if our conversations can remain confidential. Again, I don't know if those were real or Photoshop, but that's what she posted. And then Adam22, who's the host of the No Jumper podcast where those claims were originally made, tweeted just a few days ago and said, just got the Tristan Thompson cease and desist. So I don't know. I don't know either. I think the other thing to note is that a lot of people have noticed that that ring that Chloe had been seen wearing a lot, which we were unsure whether or not it was an engagement ring, what it was, whether she had bought it for herself, whether it was from Tristan, uh, people have been noticing that in her recent post, she hasn't been wearing it. So I don't know if that's coincidental, a piece of the puzzle, if it's something that she always has on and or, or only sometimes wears and we're just noticing now that she doesn't have it on. I don't know, but that definitely um, is something that people are noticing. Yeah, that one didn't come across as important to me just because I feel like when we see her wearing that a lot of the times it's on a shoot or you know it's the pictures that she's been posting the last few days have been her holding her giant water bottle which would presumably be when she's working out so for me that was such a thing but then again that doesn't mean anything I mean I have no idea I just like every fiber of my being is praying that these rumors are false, but I just have nothing inside of me to give Tristan the benefit of the doubt because he's just proven himself to be so inconsistent so many times. Yeah. I mean, I really hope for Chloe's sake, it just isn't true because I don't know what goes into somebody to make somebody put all of this effort into having somebody take them back, building up their trust, allowing them to trust them again, allowing, trying to get the public to trust them again, all to throw that out the window. Like, what is, what is it for then? I don't know. It's really, really disgusting, especially when, you know, this was very recent. This was as recent as November, January of this year. And again, after that interview came out, again, this is all alleged. We don't have full proof yet. I'm waiting to see that. But like I said, there is zero benefit of the doubt that can be given to him. I mean, you just can't, no matter how much you want to believe that it's false. Look at his look at his past. Oh, of course. Also, the only thing worth mentioning from this, I'm you guys may have seen that Kendall and Courtney did this poosh video that was kind of like highlighting 818 tequila. And they played Truth or Dare. It was pretty stupid, but there was this one dare where Kendall had to say that she was engaged. And The only thing I think kind of worth touching on here is before she tells the family, she makes the comment like, yeah, I mean, it would be believable. 
Yeah, that was really crazy because I guess they're more serious than we expected them to be. I have noticed that she's been posting him more and more things about him, so that would make sense. We saw them in New York, obviously, but I definitely didn't think that they were at the point where if they got engaged, it would be, quote, like, very believable. No, and even when she did the dare where she faked that she was pregnant to Chris, you know, listen, getting pregnant is not at all a representation of, like, how serious your relationship is if that were to happen accidentally, obviously. But Chris's response and kind of like being so excited about it does make you think on some level that she feels like Kendall and Devin are in a good place, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. I do think that they are in a good place. It's just I think with the other siblings, you always get such a better insight. And Kendall is so unbelievably private that it's hard to tell what the state of her relationship is. I mean, listen, Kendall in general is more private than Kylie, but – both of them, like as the Jenners, are far more private with their relationships than any of the Kardashians ever were. And I think that that's a result of learning from, I don't know if I want to say their sister's mistakes, but like it's a lot harder to go through relationship problems when the public is so heavily involved in every detail of it. You know, look at what Chloe went through with Lamar. Whereas if something really bad was going on between Travis and Kylie, just by nature of how little they've kind of given, the public would know less. And so I definitely think that they've learned from that and also from seeing what happened with their parents. Oh, definitely. I mean, with Kylie, it's interesting because you did get a lot of insight to her and Tyga. Like they were on the show a lot. That was when Kylie was really, really present. She was in her Tumblr era. Like you saw a lot of Kylie and Tyga. With Kylie and Travis, there wasn't really time to speculate how serious it was. They met and she was pregnant and that was kind of it. So they started serious. Now you're kind of in the ambiguous phase. Where you're like, are they together? Are they not together? We heard they broke up. Now they're in Live Miami together. Now they're making it on the dance floor, but we're still not sure where they're at. Like Kylie's really hasn't had enough in terms of relationships to truly analyze in terms of studying her timeline of getting serious. Kendall, on the other hand, has had a lot of relationships where you just don't know. You think they're serious. You're not sure. You see them a little bit walking around the city and in Instagram stories. And that's kind of really it. Yeah. And it's, I think it's very, very purposeful, which I understand. But I don't know. We'll see. Watch watch the space. I mean, imagine if Kendall got engaged this year. That would be wild. That would be wild. Yeah. Anything else Kardashian-wise? I mean, like you said, you know, she's with – Kylie is with – Travis at Live, there was like a video of them making out on the dance floor, but that's really all we've seen. Yeah. I mean, I'm always so curious about the status of their relationship because obviously from what we were told, they split a a while ago, but they were never really broken up. Like we were never actually sure. And neither of them had been reportedly seen with any other people or rumors about dating any other people, but they weren't together, but they were together. So it is really interesting to watch them because I have absolutely no clue what's going on there. No clue. Although I don't know. I get the sense that they're more together than people think. Like, I just don't really, I don't know. I mean, it's just a gut feeling. I just don't see Kylie like being with anyone else right now. Yeah, I don't either. But I think the footage of them at Live Together and her posting him on her story from there was really the first time in a while that we've gotten some sort of confirmation leaning towards that. Because even on his birthday, it wasn't like she put up this really great grid post. She posted a bunch of stories and it was like Stormy's dad really centered around his relationship with Stormy rather than his relationship with Kylie. Well, I was going to say that's a huge 
thing that always comes up, right? Like she's always going to have some involvement with Travis. She's always going to post him to an extent because that is the father of her child and they really do have a family unit. But yes, between just him as a father versus him as like a significant other, very, very interesting stuff. Yeah. Anything else? I think that's it, kiddo. I think so too. Well, we love you guys. We will see you on Thursday for Kardashians. Isabel and I will see you on Friday for Bravo. And we will put the link for the Webbies. There's only a few days left to vote. So we'd really appreciate that. But like I always say, and I really do mean it, just listening is the best thing ever. So we love you guys. We'll see you on Thursday. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.